have great company here in studio with me. It's Dr. Maura Finn, the NSGP. Good morning to you, Maura. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. Um, we've been we're asking the listeners uh, to get in touch if they want to win tickets to the Marty Party. What the best thing about their dog is, what they love the most. Are you a canine lover? Oh, I have two fabulous dogs, Toast and Bowie. Unusual names, I know. But I thought go. it was going to be toast and butter or yeah, something. No, the, well, the uh, previous <laughs> incarnation was a butter, but Bowie has two different coloured eyes. You see, she's ah, a husky. So, um, and they're fabulous. Oh yeah, toast is the love of our lives in the house. And Bowie is kind of comes a close second, but they're incredibly hairy. It's just horrible. I like At the moment, they're molting. And I, I was putting makeup on this morning and I think I actually put dog hair on with my mascara. That's oh, how bad that's the hair good. is in the house at the moment. So I do adore them and we'd be lost without them but they, and they sleep on my bed. So this is, uh, yeah, I am yeah, the, the worst good. pet owner in ways because I love them a little too much, you know. Oh, I have to say, that's one of my favourite names that I've heard for a dog in recent times, Bowie, and I love the fact it's because of different coloured eyes and I was desperately struggling there to think of a, a canine related Bowie pun and then the 10 watt bulb above my head went off and yes. di- diamond dogs popped <gasps> <laughs> <Nice>. in. <laughs> Uh, that's yeah, the that's first it. That's, time I've heard that. Well done. That's yeah. the high point of today's Thank show, you. folks. You can tune out now. Uh, <laughs> okay, go, about your, go, go about your business. <laughs> okay. And do they do they uh, bring you know bring a ray of sunshine into your life? Oh, they're fabulous. They mm. really are. And you know, I have to say when. Um, when te- with teenagers, you know, um, <laughs> you know, life can be a little bit tough at times, but there is always, you know, the, the house is never quiet. The dogs are always, somebody's talking to them or calling them or messing with them and cuddling them. And they're huge, big dogs, like, mm. you know, and they're always kind of getting in the way and things like that. So, but there's always some focus in the house. So even if there was people kind of sulking or in bad form or whatever, the dogs dissipate at all. It's amazing. Like yeah, they're, they're great really, for that, aren't they? They really are. Yeah. Now, they're hard work and they, my my two have learned not to really want to walk when it's raining. I think that's conditioning. That uh, <laughs> can, you, can you blame them? Most, most humans don't want to walk when well, it's I raining. Well, I think that's the thing. I think it's I've tra- trained them to do that. But, you know, they otherwise they're a great way of kind of getting out for exercise. Mind you, I get pulled by them as opposed to um, bringing them for a walk. But, no, they're great. They really are. I, all, I love cats exercise. too, but... We, we don't have a cat present. Uh, trust moment. me, I'm sp- speaking to someone who's a cat owner. They're not the same. They're grand. Ah, uh, they are. They're lovely. They. Yeah. But you, what does people say? That people have dogs as pets and then cats are people's slaves. Yeah, it's, yeah the other way around, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, they, yeah, yeah. They're in charge. We need them more than they need us <laughs> and sadly they know it. Um, okay. Uh, lots of questions coming in for you, Maura. Uh, people very, very eager to uh, tap into all that wealth of knowledge that oh. you've accumulated over the years as a GP. <laughs> but before that, uh, you want to talk about this week's topic. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that, you know, people are probably very well aware, but there is the, the new contraceptive scheme, which is wonderful for the first time. It's been available for for a few months now, but it's been extended recently. So for ladies, now that's another issue, I'll get back to that, but for ladies between the age of 17 and 26, contraceptive is available free. And the consultations around contraception are available free from the GP okay. and the contraception th- themselves are available free from the pharmacy. And it's a really big initiative. It's huge. Now, contraception is, is you know, technically it's a protection against pregnancy but there's an awful lot more to it than that it's about sexual health and it's about um finding the best way forward for a girl to kind of protect herself against pregnancy, protect herself against sexually transmitted diseases and usually to improve her menstrual um situation as well whether it be painful periods or heavy periods and 
it, that consultation is really, really important. Yeah. Now, it is. it can be just as simple as just talking about condoms and barrier contraception, but very frequently it's about hormonal contraception. Are the long-acting contraceptions um, like the coils and the implanon and things like that? So it's really important that people know about it. I think it's great. I think it started a conversation or maybe extended a conversation that young girls were having anyway. Um, And there seems to be an awful lot of information on social media. Wonderful. And a lot of it is probably really good. But just be careful that you're getting the right kind of information. And there's some very good, um, the HSC have a really good website. The mycontraceptive.ie is really excellent and gives all the information. And then there's also these... um, there's a link on that so that you can actually get free SDI kits. All you have to do is apply for them and you can actually do a sexual uh, wellness check at home in your own house. So all this stuff is there to improve sexual health and uh, contraceptive health for both men and women. My only issue with it is that there should be more exposure for boys to get um, information about contraception um, and at the moment it's limited to girls and I suppose that's a practical reason but boys should be encouraged to be kind of given condoms and know that that is their go-to and there should yeah. should always be like you do not have a sexual encounter without a condom basically. But, and do you feel that as you say it's for practical reasons mm. but that as a consequence it does put the onus on the, the responsibility yeah. On the, on the female. It, it does. And you see, just even by virtue of it being described as that, it's a contraceptive scheme for girls. Yeah. You know, as if now, fellas can be footloose and fancy free and not have to worry about it. Now, yeah. I mean, and, and practically, of course, we can understand, you know, you're not bringing a boy in to a consultation with a doctor to, dis- you know, to but maybe you should, you know, mm. or maybe there should be more kind of um, um, sexual health teaching in schools around it. But basically, I think it should be expanded that condoms should be freely available for boys and they should know that that is their go-to and no sexual encounters should avoid, should uh, have, should happen without a condom. So, um, but uh, but anyway, it is, it's a really good initiative and it's, it's about time. That's for sure. There you go. Uh, okay, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> we'll move well, on now. <laughs> we, we, we will move on to the uh, inundated with listeners' questions, uh, for you, Maura. And we begin uh, with a question from a listener on Morning Focus who says, I have Raynaud's disease. My fingers are really bad. Uh, is there anything I could get to help me? Um, so this is Raynaud's. It's tr- usually triggered by... Cold. Cold, anxiety or stress? No, no, well, not really anxiety no. or stress. It's actually very much a physical thing. Okay. Um, it's when the fingers in particular, fingers, toes, extremities, sometimes your nose, even your ears, um, lose colour. They usually go white or even blue from cold. And it is, there's two parts of There's a Raynaud's phenomenon, which is what this person is describing, but it can actually be associated with Raynaud's disease, which is when you actually have other aspects or other organs are also affected by it and it's an autoimmune condition. <laughs> and with Raynaud's, what you, generally what you do is you try and avoid the cold. You know, so there are actually um, battery heated, heated gloves that people use um, and also using layers and socks and things like that, you know, and wearing uh, leather gloves and making sure that you don't get exposed to extreme cold because that is the main trigger for it. If it is part of Raynaud's disease, maybe sometimes there is medication that is used because you may have other autoimmune issues around it and that that involves these very strong um, medications that actually alter your immune response. 
Um, but it, but it's quite common actually, and can you know, it be see. sore? I mean, yeah, is, is it, 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 yeah. It's, it, it can. Well, sometimes when it goes white, when the fingers go white, they don't actually feel too much. But when the blood comes back into them, that can be very sore. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It really throbs. You know, it's like chillblains type of sensation. But it's it's temporary. That you see it frequently even in children. You know, three or four white fingers, and they're kind of and they think it's something kind of cool. But <laughs> but it's. Um, so in itself, it's not dangerous. If it's associated with the disease, it's something that we do take more seriously. OK, uh, our next question is from a male aged 65 who says he had a meniscus tear and Baker's cyst last September. Says there's no pain, just stiffness. Uh, he's back running with no pain. He wants to avoid surgery and is wondering how long it'll take to fully heal. Mm. OK, the meniscal tear. So the meniscus is are, are kind of spongy cartilage that are in the knee joint between kind of the lower leg and um, the femur, okay? And so they kind of are a shock shock absorber and sometimes... um, and the, the meniscus can, can then tear, if, but particularly with a rotational injury. So it's a very mm-hmm. common kind of um, um, soccer player's injury, you know, in sports injury. And in itself, if it's not torn completely, it can repair fully and rest and time usually three to six months would usually help that a baker's cyst is a different thing it's usually in the back of the knee okay. in the kind of the hollow part of your knee in the back there and it can cause a fullness and it's a cyst that's caused by uh, it's a collection of fluid and it can be caused because of a bit of arthritis there or some other problem um, but the cyst itself doesn't actually have to be fixed or repaired and if it isn't causing any pain that's all right occasionally what happens with the baker's cyst is they burst and it causes uh, a pain and swelling down the leg because the yeah. fluid tracks down the leg and that's a different issue. So if, if that person is running and they're actually not having an awful lot of trouble, as long as, you know, what you do about something depends on how you manage and um, how limited your um, function is because of the conditions, um, you're not going to cause any more permanent damage by not treating those conditions. That um, seems like such an awkward place to have assist, right? And You know, we all know kind of yeah. if, if someone taps you in the back of your knee, your leg buckles yeah. instantaneously and you know, would they feel that every they, time they move their leg or walk? That depends on the size of it, yeah. Sometimes yeah. it can be very sizable and you would feel it. And when you bend your knee up, yeah. obviously you'd feel it. Um, but some are small enough and um, they just call a little bit of stiffness, you know. So okay. it depends on how well he's managing. But the um, any kind of soft tissue injury, uh, anything other than bone, we usually say three to six months for a recovery. Okay. Uh, another listener says, uh, I have two stents put in 10 years ago. The last couple of years, I get very bad cramps. And uh, the listener is wondering, is this anything to do with the stents? Okay, now I presume those stents, you presume they're cardiac stents, but it, when he's saying cramps, he maybe had something else. Yeah, stents unfortunately, can be put into many different yeah. areas because all they are is like a way of keeping a blood vessel open. Okay. So you're kind of, say, you can imagine a blood vessel that's closed or collapsed. You're putting in a little... Uh, funnel thing to actually open up. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, So if it were cardiac, for instance, I would at any, you know, if there is any issue about getting kind of like cramps or pains in your chest, yes, you absolutely need to kind of have that reviewed. If it were a vascular issue somewhere else, like in the legs or something, cramps can mean that the the blood vessels and the blood flow are actually compromised. I'd, I'd say it's time to have that checked out. Okay, um, next one comes from a listener in her 40s who has intermittent ringing in one and sometimes both ears and is wondering if she should be worried. 
It's really common. Um, ringing in the ears is usually, it's, it's tinnitus is the name for it technically. Many, many different causes. Frequently, it's actually overexposure to noise and there's not an awful lot you can do. It's one of these things that's really hard to manage because you can't get rid of it and sometimes all you're doing is distracting yourself from it. So people mm. use these kind of white noise and things like that. Um, if it's new, you need to make sure that um, it, there isn't something else there. So you can have it, say if somebody has ear um um, what am I trying to say? Hearing aids. Sorry. Hearing, hearing aids. Yeah. If you have wax in your, your ear, they'll sometimes cause a ringing. So you'll actually okay. cause this kind of buzzy noise. Um, but wax itself can cause ringing sometimes. So you could have your ears looked at to make sure there isn't an awful lot of wax. The other thing that can cause it, which is just to confuse this person even more, is fluid in the middle ear. So not in the ear canal where the wax is, but in the middle ear, which is connected to your nose. So if you've had a bad cold and you've got fluid that's gone into your middle ear and you kind of that crackly sound in your ear, that can sometimes cause tinnitus too, or this sense of a pulsation in your ear. Mm. And it can take a long time to go. And it's really the way you treat it is by doing kind of the valsalva, close your nose and blow and steaming and all those sort of things. So, so there's many, many different reasons for it. It doesn't have to be anything nasty. It's rarely associated with anything sinister, but it can be difficult to treat. Okay, uh, we're back to the cold with our next query. Uh, Mm. Another listener was in touch to say that her feet and hands are always cold and is wondering, should she be concerned? She says she's very active and has a healthy diet. Um, Cold hands, warm heart. I have the most cold hands. I like to say that phrase (laughs) because it makes me feel a bit better when I'm kind of freaking my patients out with my cold hands. It's very common. It's uh, your peripheries will be more cold than your core because your body does that to kind of keep you you warm. If you're not distressed by it, it isn't necessarily a problem. Um, If you, you know, I would make sure that you don't have kind of a condition like hypothyroidism, which would make you, it slows down your metabolism and makes you feel cold more Mm. or you know, if your hands or feet, like we talked about earlier with the ray nodes, if there was colour changes or vascular changes, then you do worry a little bit more about it. But actually just cold hands is is actually a reflection of the climate we live in a lot of the time. Unfortunately, (laughs) unfortunately. Okay, our last question uh, today comes from a listener who's asking, what is the best way uh, to bring down cholesterol without going on a tablet? They say they're very reluctant to go on a statin. Yeah, and a lot of people are. And, you know, there's big debates about statins. The thing is, we do know that they're very good for bringing down the cholesterol and they have been proven to reduce your cardiovascular risks and mortality and morbidity. However, if it's borderline, like people sometimes pay a lot of attention to cholesterol and then ignore the fact that they're smoking 20 fags a day. Do you know, that's a far bigger risk factor for heart disease than cholesterol. So it's one of the many factors for heart disease. So things people do, like exercise will definitely improve your your cholesterol because um, you're improving your cardiovascular health anyway. Um, Diet-wise, it's very much related to animal fats. And I find that patients will frequently kind of go, oh, butter, cheese, meat. In fact, it's much more likely to be biscuits, crisps. You know, it's that stuff. It's the stuff that fats are in that we don't actually think of. Um, The Irish Heart Foundation have really wonderful... Um, diets around it and there's a lot of dietary information on the internet about cholesterol lowering um, diets Um, red yeast rice if I'm saying that the right way around is something that people often use porridge is frequently used as a way of kind of uh, as a a breakfast if it's soaked overnight it does seem to have a kind of a modest effect on bringing down your cholesterol improving your diet generally um, 
making sure you're eating colourful foods, lots of fruit and veg. The more fruit and veg you eat, the more, less likely you are to eat the other things. Yeah. All of those, most people know this stuff. But I would say if you have a very high cholesterol and you've really done everything in you can with your diet and it hasn't come down, it may be familial. It may be that you are, just have this tendency and there's not a huge amount you can do. And in that case, considering the statins is possibly a good idea. Okay, but it's uh, a conversation you have with your doctor and a collaborative conversation. You know, you, it's not something that you're told and, you know, you need, both of you need to kind of come to the conclusion together. Well, we appreciate you answering all those questions and uh, sharing some of that wealth of knowledge uh, with <laughs> our listeners. <laughs> Make me feel great. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. We like to send people out in a good mood uh, here on Morning Focus. Uh, my thanks to uh, Dr. Maura Finn. Give my, my regards to Toast and Bowie. Thank you. Uh, they sound like wonderful dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go home to my miserable old cat uh, after work. 